0: welcome to the healthy living scottsdale podcast this show is your one-stop shop for all things health fitness and nutrition and is brought to you by the team at pulse fitness you can learn more about how the team at pulse fitness is helping people live stronger longer lives by going to pulse.fitness podcast but for now let's dive into today's episode Hey, welcome back to the Healthy Living Scottsdale podcast. This is your host, Coach Zach. I'm here with Body My Tati, Tatiana Britton, and our new co host. Co host? Sure.
1: So now he's already promoted to a co host.
0: Oh, what else? What else should we call him?
1: I don't know. Coach
0: Jordan (laughs) Hopple. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to come up with a really great nickname for Jordan, but I want to leave it up to the people. So, I'll send it in. You guys send it in. So, what we need is for you guys to listen to this podcast, get kind of a feel for Jordan, and then give us some suggestions on his new nickname. Right. So,
1: we'll give him a few weeks.
0: Yes. Yes. We definitely, uh, a couple of weeks. Like yeah. a couple of episodes, we don't want to have this like rolled out by next week.
1: Couple of episodes so people can hear it, make suggestions, and then we can record a few to kind of see his vibe.
0: Okay, see okay, the vibe. I okay. give you
1: a fair chance.
0: I like it. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Hopple, the hop on it.
1: Nope, it's not time yet. Um. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Well, (laughs) to be
0: fair, I call Tatiana something, a little variation of something different just about every week. I think I've only gotten it right like once. You got it right once. I panic. I panic a little bit. So, all right. So, Jordan, let's give the people a little bit of a background on you. First of all, like last week, we didn't do a podcast because Tatiana and I were so sad that Magic Mike is gone. We just couldn't do it. We needed some time to mourn. But now... I don't want to say you're replacing him, but you're replacing him and you're probably, you're going to be better. We already know it. So (laughs) Tatiana's like, no, no, she's going to cry right now. So, Jordan, where are you from? Let's start there.
2: Yeah. So, I'm from, um, I grew up on the west side of Cleveland. So, Midwest kid grew up in the snow. And so, you're kind of, when you're a kid like me that wants to be outside constantly at all times, you just kind of uh, start to really hate the snow, hate the winter. And, All the TV, all the commercials, all the shows that you watch, it seems to all be like out west. So you kind of have that like that magnetic pull. I felt like I always had to get out in the warm weather. So I'm here now and happy.
0: You're here. Mm -hmm. All
2: right. So tell the people
0: a little bit about your fitness background.
2: Yeah. So I started really training pretty heavily in high school, kind of like a lot of athletes do. I was fascinated by it. And so, you know, I went to college and decided that that was going to be my major. Um, exercise science, that is. I went to Ashland University. Also uh, ran track there. I won a couple of All American awards. And then when I was at Ashland, actually, I did a um, an internship with the Cleveland Indians, which was awesome experience. Because I mean, who wouldn't? You know, I was an athlete growing up. Major who League Baseball, yeah, right? It yeah, it's major It's incredible. So just seeing kind of like the ins and outs there was great. It was a great experience. I also kind of, I guess, I did like a little bit of an internship. It seemed like, I guess. With my head coach at Ashland, Judd Logan, I sound a little Canadian there, head coach. Head coach, uh, <laughs> head coach. Yeah. So, and uh, Judd Logan, if you know, you've ever heard of him, I mean, he's a powerhouse in the strength industry. He's a four-time Olympian and I could pick that guy's brain for hours. And I learned a ton there. I learned a ton from some great professors at Ashland. And I've always been just trying to gain as much information as possible. And I uh, started with Pulse and I am uh, thrilled to be here. So. You're
0: you're being indoctrinated right now into the pulse the pulse way. <laughs> yeah. You're a sprinter, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was a sprinter. What were your events? Up. So primarily the hundred, the two hundred, and four by one relay. And then every track coach always wants to torture their short sprinters with a mixing in a four hundred in there. So I did a fair share of four by fours, not too many open fours. So
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then did you train at Altus? Is that like you came out here for that originally or?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um I was actually Straight out of college, I I was actually, I moved to Houston for about six months. I was with a company there. And then I had a friend that was already out in Arizona and he was uh, just had won an all-American award at Arizona state. And he's like, Hey, I want to, you know, run after college, which is, it's different. It's not like other sports. So there was just really unique situation out here that I was really interested in. So I reached out to him. We were talking, I got in contact with the coaches and then they said, hey, why don't you, you, know, come on out. We got a spot for you. So, I mean, that was like the best phone call I had ever gotten in my life at that time. And so, yeah, I was, I mean, training for, you know, about three years with that group. I mean, fastest people on earth, man. And it is, every day is like, you learn, you see. I mean, it's, I got like chills, like thinking about it. it. Was Was the
0: goal like to go to the Olympics? Was that kind of the...
2: Yeah. I mean, for, for someone like me, I was trying to take this sport as far as I possibly could because I, the goal is always for everybody, always the Olympics. There's a lot of, a lot of talent in the United States. And so I knew that I probably would never go to an Olympic games just because the depth is incredible in the United States. But there were a number of other like opportunities like traveling overseas to run and going, you know, to different countries and stuff like that, that I was, seemed really attractive to me. And why not travel while doing the sport you love? I mean, that seemed like a awesome. So I I really just pursued it hard as I could. And at a point you kind of, when you're mid twenties, you kind of start to see everybody kind of get their life started and you're kind of like, you got to make
0: that decision, right? Like, do I want to go pursue this further? Or am I ready to like start my career and start working? Yeah.
2: yeah. (laughs) Me and a friend always joked in college that we were going to go as long as possible without getting a real job. And so (laughs) I I still kind of don't think I have a real job because like, I don't hate this. So it's like, uh, I don't hate hate what I do. Yeah, I don't hate what I do. And it seems like most people do. And so I still kind of like feel like I don't, I'm like, obviously I have a job, but it doesn't feel like it because it's really enjoyable. So yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: very cool. Tatiana, do you have any questions for Jordan?
1: Well, so here's the deal. It's never just yes or no. Yeah. So, I had a huge revolt in my 5 a.m. group after Mike's episode with the pet peeves. They were like, oh, "You were personally talking about me." And I'm like, "Well, I, we, I did get if a lot of that." The shoe fits, baby, you know that's all <laughs> I got to say. But they were like, "All every client complains or no client wants to do it." And I was like, "Well, the difference is you guys do it. I expect you to complain like jokingly. Like, but we're talking about the people who just straight up won't do it for no reason." So, just to warm the people up to you so you don't seem like such a nice, sweet, innocent man. Here we go. What we is go. your, with your experience in coaching, what is your number one pet peeve?
2: Hmm. Number one. I definitely have like multiple. Oh,
1: he's like, number <laughs> yeah. one. Let me pull up um, my list.
2: I Really, it's just, I think them like questioning you, I mean, maybe questioning kind of why they're doing something like not in a, not in a curious manner, but almost like in a confrontational manner where they're like, well, what does this do? What is that? And you go, well, you know, I'll explain it. And maybe they don't mean to be like that. And, you know, I guess kind of what it ties into is they don't want to do an exercise and they'll, they throw the trump card down of, well, the doctor says I can't do it. So as trainers, they're like, well, we don't really hold any any weight to that. So they, they're going to listen to the doctor. And so it, it's like, okay, well, you know, I guess we're just going to have to find something else, which makes us be creative, which is good. But
1: but it's like less of like you, I got to clarify for the listeners because our clients are going to twist up what you said. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, so what you're saying is that you like when people ask out of curiosity, because yes. they want to learn, they want to yes. know why, why would you have me do a shoulder press? What does this work? Why mm. do I do this? Versus, they see you like they're going to do a bicep curl and they're not supposed to like use their shoulder because they're doctors. So they're really not related. So they're like, well, what's that for? Right. Why am I doing this? Like, what's even the point of this? And then they're like, oh, I moved my shoulder and my doctor says I can't use my shoulder. Like yeah, that?
0: exactly okay yes, i yes. just gotta
1: clarify i like yes.
0: how tatiana knew exactly what you were talking about <laughs> D- true story like one time a client brought me a doctor's note that said <laughs> no burpees on it i'm pretty sure it's still in her folder
1: it is i think <laughs> which is <laughs> so, good for you to go that far true. like i would respect it like okay uh,
0: if you got your doctor to do no, i mean your no doctor burpees. probably laughed the whole time that they were writing it and giving That's it to so you funny. but you know, yeah, like you're totally capable. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like where they're like, yeah, they're questioning because they don't want to do it. But then it's like, well, then why do you want me to help you then? Didn't yeah. you consult in me as your coach for a reason?
2: Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to say that doctors, obviously doctors are really smart people and they know a lot. That's why they're doctors and they're, you know, really trustworthy people. But my pediatrician told me to stop deadlifting when I was 16.
1: Yeah. So, we kind of touched on that in an episode where we yeah. said it's just out of their scope. Yeah. It, it, it is. I,
0: I mean, this wasn't kind of the the planned topic for today, but no. well, let's, let's just wing let's start it. this rant sure, I'm about <laughs> yeah. to go on right now. But no, I mean, one of the things that we used to do these six week challenges all the time, and I think I've talked about this on previous episodes. And so, the goal of the six week challenge was, if your BMI was 28 or higher, in the course of six weeks, you needed to lose 20 pounds if it was under 28 then you needed to lose five percent body fat in the over the course of six weeks so that we're talking about pretty fast results but let's face it like a bmi over 28 you know unless you're really fit you probably have a lot of excess fat and all the time people would sign up for the challenge and then they'd call us and they'd say My doctor told me it's unhealthy for me to lose 20 pounds in six weeks. So I need to cancel this challenge. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, did your doctor tell you all of the things that all the negative side effects of being 20, 40, 80 pounds overweight? Exactly. Like what, you know, like let's do some calculations here and some pros and cons and see like, which one is going to be worse for you, keeping that 20 pounds or losing that 20 pounds quickly?
2: That's always been stated. It's always been stated that it's not healthy to lose this amount of weight in this amount of time. Like they always say what, like a pound a week is what the doctors say.
0: Yeah, no one more than n- no, no more than two pounds a right.
2: week, right? Well, I got news for you. <laughs> if you've got a lot of body fat, you're just going to be able to lose more. Yeah, it's all it's relative. Re- like
0: Very relative. Like Tatiana mm-hmm. losing two pounds a week in six weeks, that's, you'll wither away. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: think like knowing like how you're doing it, right? Like people who are doing right. those like ridiculous things where all you're having are like three shakes a day. You're not eating food. You're working out three times a day. Like, yeah, even if you have a lot of weight to lose, that's not a safe way to be doing that. Like, that's another thing, too. I think, like, knowing how you're trying to lose weight and then, like, where you're at now and how much weight you're trying to lose. Yeah. Because there's, like, no magic recipe for anybody.
0: But, yeah, right. So, that's just one example. But also, all the time, we have – I was listening to a a podcast about – from this very, very successful gym owner who has hundreds of locations and – he was kind of describing the process that their team is trained on when somebody has an injury and they know that they're going to the doctor and it was like hey before that client even goes to the doctor we need to have a sit down conversation with them to tell them exactly what the doctor's going to say so that they're you know prepared and so that the coach can have the conversation and say listen understand that you need to go to the doctor we need to get this checked out the doctor's probably going to suggest that you stop working out or go to like minimal activity, which would be like walking, right? And as a coach, listen, you have a hip injury. Totally understand. Get it checked out. We need to know what's going on, but you can come in here and we can do an awesome upper body workout and never engage that hip or put you at risk of further injury. And so, That was like their process that they actually had to train on because they knew that as soon as that client went to the doctor, the doctor is going to be like, stop working out. You need to maybe like just walk for like six weeks. And if it's not better after that, we'll send you to PT and then you're going to get an MRI. And it was just like this.
1: It's an all or nothing. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair because like it's not their scope to know exercise. Like doctors are told like one portion of the body and we're taught another. Right. If that makes sense. But to leer on their safe side, they're just going to say don't work out. It's simple. Because if, you know, yeah. Because it's like, oh, okay, just don't do it. But it's like, I've had clients in here who have, they're figuring something out with their shoulder or they have issues like with their foot and they're not supposed to do certain movements ever. But we work around it. You have modifications. We never put them at risk of injuring that area. And that person never like full on stopped. And if they would have, they'd be worse off right now. Because they don't not only have that injury, But they'd also put on body fat. They'd have a bunch of other illnesses or diseases that are affecting them. It would just be worse.
0: Right. It's a snowball effect. Yeah. For sure. And I think as a client, it's important for you to understand that there's also going to be some learning curve anytime you have a modality where it's like, we got to figure out what aggravates this. Certain things you shouldn't do. Yeah. Okay. Like you have a foot injury. We're not going to jump. Right. But maybe there's some other exercises we can do. And one of those exercises will bother the foot a little bit. And one of them won't. There's going to be a little bit trial and error because everybody's a little bit different. And there's certain times where people come in and I'm like, oh, we shouldn't do that. And like, that doesn't bother me at all. But this exercise does. And I'm like, well, that exercise shouldn't bother you. Like, what's the deal? What's going on here? So yeah, I mean, as a client understand, hey, You've got this issue. We might need to just, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but don't stop. Don't give up on, on all of your And don't be on the other end,
1: like super stubborn. Like the ones who like, like I know for a dang fact, no, I am not going to let you do this. I know if anyone listens to this, who like, maybe none of the people that are will listen to this, but there is one client, bless their soul. They want to work so freaking hard. But they have limitations. Like I will straight up tell them, you are not doing that. You see everyone else doing it, but you are not doing it. I look away for like two seconds and they try to do it. I'm like, no, like you're not allowed to do that. So we get like some of the people who they just don't want to listen to it. But unfortunately, it does take them pushing it either on their own or doing something that they're not supposed to, to then learn and realize, okay, I am going to hurt myself. This isn't worth it. And then they listen. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, we definitely get the other end too. People who just don't want to accept that they can't do something, but their body's like, you really can't. Like, you shouldn't be doing this.
0: So, Jordan, why did your doctor tell you you needed to stop deadlifting? What was the reason for that?
2: I had some low back issues. I really don't know what it was. I don't know what the exact diagnosis was, but they told me, hey, maybe you should stretch your quads, your hips but you know, it was like shooting pains and they thought that it was coming from the deadlifts. And I didn't really think so. I mean, it, it just, it didn't seem like that. That didn't really ever trigger it. I know it was never in pain after that. It was, it would be like after sprint races. So I don't know if something was just out, but so, I mean, I've been deadlifting probably once a week for since then. And I have really zero low back issues with that. I mean, I've lowed the spine pretty intensely at times, no issues, you yeah. know? So I think that active recovery is huge and i mean if you see nowadays acl kind of repair clients whatever they're walking like the first day the yeah. second day i mean back in the 80s when like an acl tear for almost anybody was like well you know you might not run again You'd, but mm-hmm. like you i mean the, the surgeries have gotten so good and the and the recovery process has gotten so good that you know now you're not out for a year it's like 8 months for some guys yeah and it's really impressive so I think the technology is getting better. Our understanding of the body is getting better. And, you know, I mean, and that goes for like, it's not just, you know, I guess like the mechanical, you know, like a knee or a shoulder or whatever that goes for people that, you know, have get like stints put in, in their heart. Like they actually want them to get up and moving like Mm -hmm. as early as possible to get. Cause you want to remind the system back. Oh, this is what we normally do. Like we need to get back to here.
1: You mentioning the recovery part of it's important too. And like, like think of like your low back. We have people in here. That's like a huge, Mm -hmm. like that's most likely everyone who comes in here is going to say, well, my low back bothers me or whatever. It comes down down to like the under recovery. Like we talked in the last episode, but also like, how a lot of times they're told to just not work out or totally immobilize their body when that is harming them to fix the actual issue that's going on. Most people who have low back issues, it is coming from their hip flexors, their quads, their hamstrings, their glutes. They are tight somewhere most of the time. And if you're told to just not work out, there are a lot of really, really safe movements that you could perform to then strengthen your core and your lumbar so that you don't run into these issues later. Because then when they're just told not to work out, then they don't actually solve the problem. And people think, well, this is just always an issue. Like, this is how I am. I can never repair it. I can't fix it.
2: Exactly. And not only that, but they're like afraid to do stuff, Yeah. you know, because if you say, oh, you can't do anything. And I mean, you know, you're like, you know, step wrong or something like that. And you feel like a twinge or, you know, something in an area that's injured. Oh, my God, it's, you know, it's the end of the world. Well, it's not.
0: Well, I think that you kind of make a really solid point in Let's think about like a knee surgery these days, a hip replacement, a ACL repair, a shoulder rotator cuff. The same day or next day, the doctors are, Hey, we want you up. We want you walking. We want you moving. They just cut your body open,
2: mm-hmm.
0: moved stuff around, put stuff in there, took stuff out, grinded down bone fragments, spurs, whatever. Think about how major that seems it's pretty extensive and mm-hmm. pretty serious and then they're telling you okay get up and move and so if you yeah okay i i tweaked my back right or all oh, my shoulders bothering me a little bit or whatever think about that like is immobilizing that injury going to be the best thing to heal or should we be Doing proper movements that encourage blood flow, encourage strengthening the muscles around that area in order to heal.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they just end up not even ever repairing.
0: Right. You just develop scar tissue or, you know, you just stay broken. Yeah, You continue to atrophy. The muscles around continue to atrophy and then you you end up with worse issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So you create other injury. Yeah.
0: Bone density goes down as soon as you start stop lifting, you know. Exactly. And we've actually we've had some members here who have throughout the course of whatever activity they're doing outside of the gym. They'll like tear a meniscus. Right. And they'll go to the doctor now and the doctor's like, there's no reason, like, we're not going to repair your meniscus, you'll be fine. And so they come in and they train and they wear like a knee brace or whatever. And they've, you know, over several months or even a year, you start to see basically like their knee pain just go away. And at first, it's like, man, this is really tough for me. I got to work through this pain. And then all of a sudden... They're like, oh, yeah, my knee, I thought that I was going to have some major issues with that, and I don't have really any issues. And we know that typically when somebody suffers a meniscus tear, eventually they're going to have to have like a knee replacement at some point in their life. But if you're 50 years old and you tear a meniscus, you don't want to have to have your knee replaced at 55. Like if you can go until you're 70 and then maybe you got to get your knee replaced, that's a whole heck of a lot better than – Fifteen years earlier
2: right, for right sure, and nowadays they're doing less and less replacements yeah. because of you know stem cells and better you know recover modalities
0: yeah, so all right, I think that'll do it for today, so if you guys are one, don't when you're on the training floor. Don't tell Jordan you can't do something just because, you know, or, or now they're going to be afraid. Like, now he's they're gonna not going to
1: understand no, my injuries. He hey will. You guys don't worry. No, yeah. if
2: it's if it's really something. I mean, it's you can kind of tell with the yeah. people if it's really something. Then it's it's like, OK, it's, this is honest. And if it's just, oh, this is really hard. You know, it's just like I get it. People lunges are hard. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. You know, and it sometimes I'm not saying that they don't hurt. But I know lunges are hard. They happen to be. We pretty all understand
1: tough. your real injuries, so don't take this. Some I'm ready. I'm ready for some people what after are you my revolt. About me, yeah. we understand injury. We know injuries happen. We will never make you do anything that's going to further injure you. But the best thing you can do for yourself is to keep moving, stay on your exercise routine, and be smart about the movements, which is where we come in to help you.
0: Yeah, and if you guys are listening to this and you're not a member of Pulse Fitness and you're kind of. Maybe you have a lot of injuries or, you know, you're just not sure how to start and how to have a safe program. Go to pulse.fitness slash podcast, put in your info and reach out to us. We'd be happy to uh, chat with you until next week. Ciao.
1: Oh, bye.
0: See you in honor of Mike. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Living Scottsdale. If you're not subscribed already, be sure to do that right now and if you're a local in the Scottsdale area and you're looking to work with the best coaching staff in Arizona be sure to head over to pulse.fitness/podcast and schedule a free consultation now until next time stay healthy scottsdale